Well, my name is Kevin. I, I serve here as the Atra's site pastor, and like I said, it is so good to have uh, everyone here uh, in the room and uh, to still have people back at home. Uh, it is so good that you uh, join us on a nice Sunday morning, or maybe it's through the week that you're even listening to this. Uh, thank you for checking in with us, and I uh, pray that God's Spirit will be alive as we, uh, we look into His Word here together this morning. Uh, with the shift to online, uh, one of the things that, that my family does now uh, during the messages, during the, the, the services, is we puzzle. And there's something about just kind of keeping your hands busy. It helps you listen a little bit better and uh, keeps, us, keeps us focused. Unlike this mic. I'm going to get it there. There we go. And uh, I, I get it if you're not a puzzle person. Uh, and lots of people aren't puzzle people. Uh, that's fine. But for those who enjoy puzzles, uh, I'm thinking that the, the most satisfying part is, is getting in that last piece. And in, in households, this can create some tension as to who gets to put in the last piece. However, in order to get to the last piece, there, there's, there's a few things that need to happen. First of all, you need to clean off the table, you need to dump out the pieces, you need to flip over and sort and do the edge and put together the, the main easy parts, and then you kind of end up struggling with the sky and the hard parts, and then finally you get to that last piece. And it's usually a longer process than, uh, than just, just for a sermon. It takes a while, and there's lots of different people that uh, usually get involved at various different times and places along the way. Puzzles re require patience. And when many, people, when many people are involved, usually those who start don't necessarily get to be uh, the people that see it to completion. And today we're going to talk about a character uh, in the Bible who, uh, who had a key role to play in the kingdom, but uh, he, he was the one who announced that a new puzzle was starting, so to speak, um, but he ended up not seeing it completed. And I think we have a lot to learn about how this connects with the kingdom of God uh, in the series that we're doing and our role as followers of Jesus. So today we're going to look at the character named John the Baptist. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 is where you can turn uh, if you want to follow along. John was a starter. He was the announcer of the one who was to come. But he ended up not seeing that final end result. For those of you who do not know who John the Baptist is, or for those of you who need a little refresher, uh, let me do a little bit of a, a character introduction for you. So John was miraculously conceived, uh, the mir miraculously conceived son of an elderly priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. The birth announcement was done by the angel Gabriel who said, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Pretty cool for those parents in the room who are thinking their kids are pretty exciting. Imagine an angel saying that about your kids when you're well into your grandparent years. John's dad, uh, Zechariah, ended up saying to, about his son at his birth, 
You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord and prepare a way for him. Kind of a key fatherly statement that we'll uh, unpack here for John's life. John was a relative of Jesus. In fact, John and Jesus both met in their mother's wombs. Uh, It says that John leapt for joy when they met inside of his old grandmother womb. I imagine that was kind of uncomfortable in that time. John grew up and uh, he became known a rather well-known prophet in the wilderness. And he had people's attention. It was a a two-day walk from Galilee for people to go out to the wilderness just to hear him. He looked like a prophet. He acted like a prophet. He talked like a prophet. And the central focus of his ministry was repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. He was called the Baptist because his practice was to baptize people who responded to his message and proclaimed and that he proclaimed and, and sincerely repented uh, of their sins. Uh, John the Baptist baptized Jesus uh, and was there when heaven opened, a dove descended, and God spoke saying, this is my son. It's a pretty strong affirmation. I haven't seen that at any of our baptisms. That would do something different. Uh, like most prophets, uh, he, called, he called leaders to righteousness, which ticked off the leaders at the time, like Herod Antipas, for sleeping with his brother's wife. He also uh, called out the religious leaders for their legalism and for staying quiet about Herod's sin. He went so far to call them as a brood of vipers and called them to repent. So, similar to many who challenge authority, John was seized and he was put into jail. So, that's some of the background of John the Baptist, and that's where we'll pick up our text here uh, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 1 to 19. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to him. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed in the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet. Ah, yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet... This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, 
The kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So there's a little bit to unpack here. It's not one of those straightforward texts where we just go, oh, well, that's what Jesus is talking about here. If you're a little bit confused about how this all fits, uh, there's definitely a lot in this passage that needs some unpacking and some, some further study, then I can't even touch on it all today, but we'll get you started in the right direction, and hopefully you can uh, pick up on it on your own as you look into it in the future days. Chapter 11, as you can tell, uh, starts a new section. It's a, it's a transition verse, and as we've seen and felt through the Easter season and through this past section of Matthew, uh, it's focused more on the teaching and the miracles and the mission of Jesus. And now we, we get this transition into a section more about questions and judging and, and challenges to Jesus' ministry, and we'll unpack that in, in some of the coming weeks. So, but let's go back to John here. Uh, after all the prophecies and the birth announcement and baptizing Jesus, announcing that the Messiah had come to save them, John is sitting in prison. So he sends his disciples to Jesus with a question. Now, it's not clear who the benefit of this question is for. He's in jail. Is he doubting himself? Or is he maybe just knowing that his disciples need to hear an answer to this? Is it for his own benefit or for his disciples? Either way, I think it's safe to say that there were some doubts about the character of Jesus. They were expecting a little bit more from the Messiah, Someone was doubting here. It just didn't, didn't make sense with what they thought of the Messiah coming. From our perspective, that's, that's a little bit hard to understand. We, from what we know from this side of history, we can look and go, how can you question it? The miracles, the healing, the amazing teaching. But from Israel's side of things at that time, they expected more from the Messiah. So, for those of you that are wondering, okay, what, what's the Messiah? It's not a word that we use super commonly. It, it goes back to the Old Testament prophecies, the one who was to come. It's a reference to the Jewish Messiah who had been prophesied about throughout the Old Testament. Israel had been promised to be by God to be their own nation and that God would overthrow their enemies. The Jews had been under oppression, though, from Assyria, from Babylon, and now under oppression from Rome. And yet God had said that he would send a Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, 
the Christ to come and restore Israel. So the Jews were waiting for this king, this ruler, this political leader to come kick out the Romans and make things right for Israel again. John believes that this person is Jesus. After all, he was there when Jesus was baptized. John himself declared, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Son of God. But here he is, stuck in prison, on the execution block, and Rome is still in power. John has had the role prophesied over him, and he has this role of announcing the Messiah. And he believes this is Jesus. But it sure does not feel like salvation is coming the way that he expected it. I think it's safe to say that John may have been thinking, okay, enough of the healing, enough of helping the poor, kick out the Romans, get me out of jail so that we can celebrate the new kingdom. Or should I be expecting someone else? I think we end up having that same question of Jesus sometimes. We'll get into that a little bit more. Back to the text. Uh, to John's question, Jesus provides a very Jesus-y answer. It's not just a yes or no. Instead, he describes what's going on. And he refers back to Isaiah 35 and 61. These were, were known as signs of the messianic age that was to come. So people recognized these verses and these thoughts. The blind will receive sight. The lame will walk. The healing, uh, healing for the, le those, the lepers. The deaf will hear. The dead are raised. And good news is preached to the poor. It's interesting that, that one of the signs is kind of left out, or maybe Matthew chooses not to record it. That might be sending a, a message here. Uh, the, the, the sign that is left out is setting captives free, releasing of prisoners. Could be sending a message, sorry, John, you're not getting released. John might just have interpreted this, however it got back to him, as your job is done, stay in prison. Which is where John's life ends. It's a, a tragic and unceremonious end to the greatest prophet's life. He is beheaded in prison. After Jesus responds to John, Jesus teaches people about John and validates John's role, and by doing so, he validates his own role as the Messiah. He says, what do you expect to see? You came out a two-day walk into the wilderness because he sounded like a prophet. He was unshakable. He wasn't like a, a weed swaying in the wind. He was solid. He looked like a prophet. Camel hair. He ate bugs. There was nothing fancy like a palace for this guy. This guy is a prophet. And he's playing the role of a prophet perfectly. He's the messenger sent ahead. He's the fulfillment of Malachi 3 verse 1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Yes, 
He is the Elijah. So, again, for us who don't necessarily understand our Old Testament prophets super well, uh, why was this so important? Well, John attracted people because it had been 400 years since God had spoken to his people through the prophets. The last prophet in the Old Testament, Malachi, said in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 5, which is at the very end, go to the very end of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, verse 5, says, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Malachi, 400 years earlier, said that Elijah would come back before the judgment would come. And it was believed that Elijah, who was an earlier prophet, who was, uh, he was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire, it was believed, that, his, that because of this prophecy of Malachi, that he would come back, Malachi would, uh, uh, Elijah would come back in some form and announce that the Messiah was coming and salvation for Israel. John, being the Elijah who was to come, was a sign of hope for the people. People wanted to repent. They wanted to be ready. God was speaking to them. They were about to get back their land. The Romans would be gone. Remember, these people knew their Old Testament wars. They knew about the times where God overthrew their enemies back in their history, miraculously. Walls just crumbling down after dancing around them. They knew that this could be done. The Romans can be overthrown by the power of God. They just didn't know how it would happen or who the Messiah would be. So Matthew in his book is very concerned that people recognize the works and the teaching of Jesus but he's also very concerned about the identity of Jesus and how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. Matthew wants his audience to recognize that Jesus validates John as the one who prepared the way, and as a result, Jesus is the one who has come. Follow him. Even if it's not the way that you expect things to go. Like John just sitting in prison. This is where I think for believers today we can really identify with John. We, th we thought that following Jesus would mean one thing and instead something else happened. There have been multiple times where I have been confused and where I have questioned God's ways, just not understanding. What is he up to? What is he expecting? John started this series back in, in January with a quote. Uh, it says this, The kingdom is full of surprises. Things are reversed. Paradox, irony, and surprise permeate the teachings of Jesus. They flip our expectations upside down. The least are the greatest. The immoral receive forgiveness and blessing. Adults become like children. The religious miss the heavenly banquet. The pious receive curses shattering our assumptions. As, as we go through the series, as we learn about the kingdom of God, and as we confess that Jesus is king, we need to recognize that just because our experience 
of the kingdom of God doesn't make sense, it doesn't make God wrong. It means that we need to adjust our expectations. The prophets call us to humility, just having an accurate view of ourselves, our role, and our importance. And they call us to repentance, confessing when we don't align with God's way for us. If your view of God's role for you is not what you had thought or hoped for, you thought that you would, you would teach or you thought that you would, you would lead and the opportunities just haven't opened. You, you, people just haven't listened. God isn't wrong. He has a role for you. And maybe you filled that role well, even if it doesn't feel like it. Continue to fill the role of the faithful servant. Or maybe you hope that you could live in the background in the kingdom of God. After all, that's humble and, and good, right? But if God's calling you to be in front of people, you need to adjust, even if that seems out of character. Jesus continues, back to the text, by teaching us, our world is like kids playing around in a market. And the world expects that you'll play along with them their way. So, so picture the bossy little girl. Hey, everybody, we're going to play wedding. It's time to celebrate, and you better dance. Or the, 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 bully, the bully boy. We're going to play funeral. It's time to be sad. You better cry. Jesus and John came and, and didn't fall in line with the expectations of others. John came and was called a demon for fasting too much. Jesus came and was called a glutton for partying too much. Neither of them played along with society's expectations of them. But both of them did what they needed to do in God's kingdom, not just following the expectations of the world. Our, our world, our, our families, our friends, our bosses, our teachers, even our, even our pastors may not understand your role in following Jesus. They may have different expectations for you. You may not even fully understand your own role in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God has been advancing forcefully. Another translation for the word violently. The kingdom of God has been advancing forcefully. And Jesus is leading his kingdom. And it will be opposed violently. It may not make sense to us how the kingdom of God is advancing, but we also don't have Jesus's perspective. We are not the king. Jesus is the king of his kingdom. It's his perspective, it's his direction that matters. In fact, we also have a, a different perspective than John. See, John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. The New Testament starts with the blood shed on the cross and the victory over death with the resurrection of Jesus. John never got to see the resurrection. The Spirit wasn't in all believers like it was after Pentecost. He, he wasn't part of the New Testament church. We are witnesses of the power of God filled with the Holy Spirit. We can continue to announce that the kingdom of God is near. 
There may be no one greater born than John the Baptist, but he didn't get to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God, where sin was defeated by the power of the resurrection. And so even those of us who think or, or feel like, like we're the least, and if we call ourselves New Testament Christians, we, we have a role to play in the kingdom of God that's even greater than John the Baptist. He couldn't. Each of us is to live in a way that announces that Jesus is the king of his kingdom, even if we don't fully understand it. And as a result, there will be many questions, and many will challenge us. The kingdom of God will be challenged, and we will talk about that more in future weeks. We all love uh, to see results. And when someone doesn't end up uh, seeing the result, we usually think of it as tragic. It's unfortunate. Someone dies too young, and they don't see the potential of their life. Someone gives up before a job is done. Or the Old Testament example of Moses not being able to enter into the promised land. But we need to recognize that God has a plan that is bigger than any one of us individually. Things are different in the kingdom of God. We aren't responsible for the final product of whether or not someone accepts Jesus or whether or not someone's healed in Jesus' name. We are responsible for doing our part by faithfully following Jesus. That may mean things don't go our way or the way that others think that it should go, but this doesn't mean that God is wrong. It means that we need to change our expectations, humble ourselves, repent, and continually faithfully follow him. We don't all get to put in the last piece of the puzzle, but we can, sure, we can be sure that God will see his kingdom to completion. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the example of John. We thank you that uh, we can see this, his, the perspective from this side of the resurrection, where we can see your power, we can be filled with your spirit, and we can play a role in your kingdom. Jesus, help us to, to faithfully follow you even when we don't understand, even when, when it seems like we don't really get where you're going or why we're, you're doing it, and yet help us to be faithful to you in your ways. God, I pray for, for continued unity in our church, in the midst of not knowing, trying to discern together. God, I pray that we would support and encourage and build one another up as you have asked us to do. Jesus, we pray for those who are, are struggling in following you. Uh, those who are just saying, forget it, I'm giving up. It's too hard, I don't understand. It's easier to just fall in line with the ways that everyone else wants you to go. Jesus, strengthen them, reveal yourself to them, show them your way so that they can continue to faithfully follow you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit. Jesus, thank you that we can be together and learn from you in community. In your name, amen.